Welcome to another edition of the Billion Dollar Broker. Really excited today. You got two uh, people who I really enjoy spending time with uh, Gordon McVicker and Larissa Barton from Mortgage Choice, Parisian Beach, and Nooseville. Uh, only, yeah, in terms of brokers go, you're only fairly sort of young in, in your journey. You've been, been in the business for about six years, but you've all already taken a, a swag of awards in terms of you know the best regional broker for the better business awards in 2021 in 2020 you were the better business uh, uh rising star gordy your office uh larissa and i know this is close to your heart was the best customer service in uh 2021 for the mfaa and you've also been rewarded for things that you've done within the community as well. So not only do you have a great business, but you're also giving back and, and making the community a better place. So congratulations and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Thanks Ross. Ross. I just wanted to get started. Just tell me about, you know, a bit about your journey in terms of, you know, getting started and uh, in the business, you know, take, take us back to how you got into it and uh, a bit about those early days, because I think it's a great story. Well, we've, we've we've both got different stories on how we got involved in the business. Um, Larissa, you've been what? I've been working in the mortgage industry since 2003. Uh, back in our Sydney days, I was working for a financial services company in the mortgage division. And, um, and, and then I went on, back in 2014, I went on maternity leave. And that's when I decided to uh, start up a mortgage choice greenfield in um, Maracaville in Sydney. And, um, and work for myself. And I think in my first year there, I wrote about 20, it was about $22 million just doing that with a little toddler mm. at home. Um, and then it was when we were, uh, we, we were about two years after that, I, we were just about to have our second child living in the inner west of Sydney and wondering you know, how we're gonna do this. It's, it's just, we, we were looking to, to move up to Queensland back then. And about two days before I was due to have um, Charlie, we got a call from Mortgage Choice that there was a, an existing franchise owner on the Sunshine Coast looking to sell. Um, I said to them, look, I'm having a baby in two days, can't, just can't think about this. And I phoned Gordy and, and told him that I'd had that phone call and Gordy said, ring them back and just tell them we're going to do it. So I rang them back and said, yeah, we'll do it. Let me just get this baby out of the way on Friday and then, we, then we'll, we'll, we'll look at the numbers. So that's 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 my background. And um, I, I'm, in, I'm from the electrical industry, so I did an electrical apprenticeship and um, then got into sales and worked for the likes of HPM and Clipsal, HPM as a sales manager, then working for a lighting company as a sales manager. And I'd had enough of the construction industry, Ross, after 20 years doing that. And that's when Larissa called and talked about this opportunity. And I said, great, that's me, I'm out. I'm going to become a mortgage broker. So I think on June 30 was my last day as a sales manager for this lighting company and a good mate of mine's lighting company. And then um, I think July 1st, we, um, I started as a mortgage broker and it was, uh, yes, it was quite a culture shock and uh, a, big, a big change. Um, yeah. Yeah, massive. I mean, to think, you know, you're about to have a baby and all that comes with that in two days and then making another life-changing decision, not only are you going into a totally new business, you guys, but you're moving yourselves, you know, from the inner west of Sydney and going all the way up to, 
uh, an amazing place in the in the Sunshine Coast. So you know, you, when you make a decision, you commit to it. So I love that. I love that about you. Your action takers, right, and, and quick to act. So in terms of then, obviously, fast forward to when you're up there and you're starting. What were the some of the challenges in terms of when you first started the business? Well, I have to be honest, we had our back up against the, our backs up against the wall from day one. Like we 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 moved up with a three-month-old baby and a two-year-old. And the office that we inherited at the time was about 25 minutes drive from where we were living. And we were commuting to this office. We didn't know any, we didn't know anybody. We had no no one. It was just the four of us and our family that that, that we knew. So um we we were doing the commute, weren't we? And Gordy was brand new to it. And I really, I could only work three or four days a week because I had this little baby to look after. Um, and that was when Gordy decided, let's let's stop this commute and let's just open up a, a shop front. So another big decision within, <laughs> um, within the, I think we'd signed that we, we started the business on the 1st of July. And by, I think it was September, October, we'd signed a lease for our shop front in Phrygian Beach, our, the one previous, the one we're in now. We, had, we actually had two offices when we took the business over, Ross, one down in Kiwana and one up in Nooseville. And we were just commuting back and forth. So we, we were living in Phrygian Springs at the time uh, when we first moved up here. And it's, well, how, how can we get two hours back in the day? Let's open an office by where we are. And uh, yeah, it, our backs were definitely up against the wall. Yeah, and look, we, we had, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're crazy doing that. There's not one single bank branch in Phrygian Beach. It's a little tiny village. What a bit of a risk that you're taking there. And we just saw opportunity from that. Um, the closest bank branch was in the neighbouring suburb in Coolum and they were closing them down. And we just, we just saw the opportunity there rather than, than, than the rest there. We backed ourselves. Yeah. And we <laughs> had some... You backed yourselves, love it. You backed yourselves. <laughs> and, um, and in terms of what were some of the things that you did in the early days to really create the momentum? Oh, well, we, um, we had to be creative, Ross. We, um, we, 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 we didn't have the settlements. We, we're trying all the money into the business, so we had to be creative. And that's when we discovered social media. Um, and coming from a business to business background previously, it wasn't it wasn't prevalent. No one was using it, so we went to a um, we learned social media and learned how to use it. Well, even in the early days, Ross, we were doing things like you know the real estate signs that real estate agents put out at roundabouts every Saturday. We got those made up and um, put them all around all the local suburbs until every mortgage broker, local mortgage broker, dobbed us into the council. <laughs> So we, we had to be creative and we, we I, I think when we did, discovered the social media side of things, Ross, was when, um, when we were investigating print and print was just so cost prohibitive and it was so expensive. And that's when we went down the path of learning social media and learning how, how to master that. Yeah, love it. And it's something that you do really, really well. Yeah, and with, with the social media, Ross, it, I, I was spending a lot of time observing what other people were putting out there. And then you, you could see in that business consumer sort of marketplace, there was no interaction. And then I discovered a guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, and I remember listening to him, and this is Gary Vaynerchuk, early Gary V, before he was trying to sell NFTs and everything. Yeah. And he was very big on tell people what you do, document what you do every day. And I just took a leap out of that. And, um, and that's, what, that's what we still do 
to today. And I look at the engagement and interaction we have, and it's it's every post we do, it's uh, we get really high engagement, and it has real cut through. And it's uh, it's, it's good to see. It's rewarding for us as well after we put that content out and seeing the engagement we get. Yeah, it's a, it's a simple message, right? Just tell people what you do, and I guess. That's why there's such a big market for reality TV, right? Because yeah. people are interested in, in seeing what other people are doing and what other people's sort of lives consist of. So in terms of what are some of the ways that you make it happen, right? Because a lot of people say, yeah, I'm going to do it. But how do you ensure that day in, day out, it actually gets done? Drinking coffee away from the office. And it gives me space if i'm sitting in the office there's always an email to do there's always someone to, there's always something to happen and I, I i i go across the road two three times a day and have a coffee and that's where i sit there i don't do any work i just think about what i've done and what i can post and what i can put out there yeah okay so in a way it's you know when i go for a coffee the habit is i will think about social media and, and come back and post something. Is that sort of how it goes in your mind? Yeah, well, and it, it's not even intentional. It's just getting away from the office. I think if you're always in the office, there's you, you're always caught up in what's happening and you don't get that, that free space to think about, think about doing that side of the business. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to be creative when you're behind the desk. Exactly. Yeah. So what's some examples of some of the stuff? Like for the listeners, what's some of the examples of, some of the stuff, if you just think back to over the last, you know, few days, a week or so, what are some of the things that, you know, that you will post about? Oh, well, this morning when I was having coffee at about six o'clock, I saw the alert on the phone that the Federal Reserve put interest rates up 0.75%. So all I did was a story on Instagram, uh, Fed Reserves put interest rates up 0.75, RBA will be set to follow. It's on an Instagram story. The next story is um, get in contact with us and see how we can save you at least half a percent on your variable interest rate. And then the yeah. next story is a hyperlink to um, book online to Acuity. And uh, we've had one person book. So. But then you also mix it up with your personal things like shoes that you buy, bikes, yeah. and you know, add, add some personality to it rather than it all just being mortgage related posts yeah and that's and you're right we, we very rarely discuss interest rates because everyone's discussing interest rates and you just blend into the noise mm. um like we never do rba announcements except the last um the last one but it will be today i'm working on these three applications um mm. or this is how we help someone uh get a install a pool in their house and save them half a percent on their interest rate mm. so it's just exactly what we're doing throughout a day we're not on we're not getting copywriters to do anything half the time i've got spelling mistakes in it because it's just a quick thing to put out but it makes it human and i think people can relate to it more than say what the aggregators social media pack is putting out that way yeah definitely right and i know you know coming from a a larger aggregator similar to you guys uh, I found that it lacks the personality and what, you know, and I love about the stuff that you do, it really has that personality. They get to know about you guys, which what people want to have a relationship with a person. They don't want to have a relationship with a, a brand, right? People connect. It's natural to connect 
um, with people. So people want to connect with the face of the business. And uh, I think you do that really well. I think it's got to be raw and it can't be polished. Yeah, like we, we don't use, like very rarely we'll have professional shops. And one of the other mistakes I think people make with Google, I mean, sorry, with uh, social media, Ross, is they, they want to treat it like Google AdWords. I've sponsored this post. I want to see the immediate click through. But what you need to do is three months, six months or continuous layering. So by the time someone's seen us on Google, uh, Google local search, Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, and that, that helps inform their decision. It's not, I've seen a Facebook post, so today I'm going to, I'm going to engage with you and use your business. It, it takes a long time of layering to, to get that result. Yeah, exactly. And they've got a, I, I talk about this in my coaching programs. It's like, you know, where do you want that customer entry point, right? So if it's on a scale of say one to 10 and, you know, each little thing that you're doing and little interaction moves them up the scale. So if they've never heard you, they're a zero. First time they see you, they go from a, uh, a zero to a one. Second time from a one to a two, a three to a four, you know, you might do a, and so when they enter your cycle, it's an eight. And of course we want all of them coming in when they're ready to go, when they're an eight. Um, so we can move them from an eight to a 10, which is our job of the appointment and the close, right? But the what you're saying is the nurture points to get them from a zero to an eight is all these little pieces of content that they're consuming up until the point where they're ready to go. And the sign written cars, yeah. local sponsorship, being on the business association, like there's so many other points there's the social media which reinforces everything but there's also the other little things that people are seeing around the local community as well where our cars are very loud with their branding um and like if i'll go and run the local do a run around the local uh, track i'll park the car deliberately on the corner of the road so cars both directions can see it i won't park it i won't park it down the road i'll park it right in the middle of the main road and that's a billboard for half an hour Mm. Uh, and we're, we're very deliberate in even how we place the cars. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Because again, it's it's all around branding, especially for you guys being in a regional area where it is that got that community feel. And again, that's why you won't do your stuff in a polished way. It needs to be raw because that's the type of people and the type of clientele that, that you're working with, right? They yeah. want to deal with someone local. Yeah, and just on that polish side of things, and I think this is what holds people back, not just in our industry, but every industry, Ross, they're waiting for that perfect moment, the perfect photo, the perfect copyright, and waiting for that perfect time, you're missing so many opportunities hmm. uh, because you're never going to have the perfect time to post, the perfect picture, the perfect copyright uh, bit of content. I think you've just, you've just got to do it daily, yeah. multiple times a day. Yeah, I love that. And uh, uh, the message that I've taken it is just, you know, keep it simple. Just post about what you're doing. People will be interested in what you're doing and how you're helping. And if you like most mortgage brokers, you're adding value in so many ways to not only clients, but referral partners. Um, and you're doing interesting stuff, right? And a lot of people are interested in property and even property values and real estate, right? So 
again, there's so many different little things that we we can uh, talk about on on social. So love that, love that. So that was how you got your foot in the door, and that was sort of how you really became established in the area, right? So. And that I guess that took you to a certain level. What has um, allowed you to obviously you, you've your year on year growth, you know, since you started has been great. And even now, I, I know you mentioned you had a record month, settled 17 million last month, which is amazing. Congratulations. So what has led to that, just that continued levels of growth and allowed you to scale the way that you have? Investment in offices and our team. There's no way Gordy and I could do that on our own. Mm. And process. So you get the, we, we spent a lot of time in the early days getting the process right because we didn't, as I said earlier, we didn't know anybody when we moved here. We couldn't call on any networks locally to, to, to ask for business. So we relied on our social media and we just spent the time getting our process right because when they came into our office, we wanted them to have an amazing experience so that they, start, that they raved about us. Mm. Um, and I guess that's that's been the main thing. We're con continually working on our process. I mean, we're, we're working on it with you now as well all the time. And it's it can it's never perfect. It's always going to be worked on. And we pride ourselves in that. And also investing in the team has just meant that Gordy and I are under less stress now. We had a record month last month, but we're feeling a lot less stressed than we've ever been because we've got the right team around us who just are strong advocates for our business and and, and our mm. clients. Um, and I guess having the right process that we're always working on, we don't ever want to get lazy with it. We always want to keep it tight and always want to keep improving it. And also having having our team. I mean, it was such a it's such a big thing when you're starting out and you're heavily invested in a business to then go let's bring on more staff because I take that so seriously. It's such a big responsibility bringing staff on that it is, it is elite. But on, and we'd always allow say six to twelve months of cash flow for that role for that new staff member and nearly every single time within two months you'd feel the upswing would be there mm. from having that help so yeah. it's taken I love that. yeah i love that and that's an important piece right because a lot of people think that they're going to have to bankroll it for six to 12 months but your experience of you know getting someone on board and then paying for themselves within two months yeah is very common right it's it's and people say, oh, I wish I'd done it sooner. Oh, I wish I'd done it sooner is, is what I hear from a lot of uh, brokers. So, and again, coming up there a month ago and meeting your team, you've got that feeling when you walk into your office of great, you know, service, right? It comes and you can see that the people are happy doing what they're doing. And that yeah. doesn't come you know, by chance. So what are some of the things that you do to ensure that your your team are happy? I We don't micromanage. No. And that can be sometimes to our detriment. It's been to our detriment previously in the past. Yeah. In the past but we, we've got the right team and we trust people. And like you've, you've got to have a level of trust. I don't, neither of us is standing over anyone's shoulder saying, have you done it this way? Have you done it that way? And it's about hiring the right people, trusting them and, and letting them refine what they do as well. Because uh, I can guarantee you, I don't know the positions in our business as well as the people working in them. Um, but we, we try and keep it lighthearted. Light with the process and what we tell everyone, we want everyone to come to work. We don't want, we want to plan for any unforeseen things that might blow up like 
because we've got the process in place. We don't want people relying on memory. Let's follow the process and let's go to work. Let's get through everything in the day and let's have fun. Let's have a laugh and mm. let, let's get through it and, let, and let's celebrate the wins we have. And uh, yeah, we, we try and keep it lighthearted. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly, we're fairly casual at work. We're, we're definitely not a corporate office. No. Um, and um, we, we want that to rub off with our team as well and, and with our clients. Yeah, I also, I think the other key thing there to add to that is um, we offer career progression. So when people mm. come in and, and we, we, actually, we actually have always hired people with absolutely no experience in the mortgage industry and they come in and they start tracking our loans from submission to settlement. That's, that's where people enter our business. And, um, and you, know, you learn a lot there and then they move to the credit analyst role. So they're helping at the front end from inquiry to submission. So then they kind of they get the whole picture of what's going on. And that's when they're starting. As soon as they come into the organization, they're starting their cert four. By the time they get to a credit analyst role, they're, they're working on their diploma. So they can see this career ahead of them. They can see that they can be a broker and they're working under, um, normally they're working under, not under Gordy, but alongside Gordy. So they can see how he has these conversations with clients. They can see how he handles um, clients and also you know, lenders to get, to get the result that everyone needs. And it's a really good training ground and, and they, they're excited by that. So whilst, you know, we've got, you know, whilst we've got a team where they might not be a broker for another 18 months, they can, they're working towards it and it, and they take pride in their work. They take, they, they just care because they can see that they've got a career here with us. Love it. Love it. And yeah, you know, so many takeaways from that, right? So you giving people um, without experience a runway, right? And I think a lot of, you know, staff leave because they run out of future within an organization. So what I love about what you're saying is they're coming in and they're shown what the future and they've, they're uh, given the education uh, to allow them to sort of fulfill that future. You know, the second thing was around, you know, you're big on process and the reason you're big on process is for the client experience. Yeah. And, and again, we'll talk a little bit more about client experience uh, in a bit, but in terms of by having that process, what allows you to not micromanage is that you can bring them in, you can give them a process to follow, and then you can let them loose knowing that they're following a process that you've designed, right? And I think this is where a lot of brokers, you know, become unstuck. They put their people before the, the process. They hire an experienced person because they know what they're doing. And then if things don't go wrong, that's when they have to get in and micromanage what they're doing because they haven't been shown what to do and how to do it. And, you know, if that person then leaves, their whole process leaves with them. Whereas I know for you guys, you've had a couple of staff leave uh, over the last you know, um, few months and you've been able to plug someone into that position with very little downtime and get them up to speed uh, and very quickly, because again, we have spent that time in terms of really refining that process. Yeah, and, and you, you're correct there. We thought we had our process down pat before we started working with you, Ross, and um, and we really and we realised where our process was going wrong previously, and it was me and Larissa were involved too often, mm -hmm. and it wasn't we were involved because we wanted to be micromanaging. It was we were involved because we hadn't removed ourselves from that process. Mm -hmm. and that was the log jams with our business, and yeah. that was causing our team frustrations as well. And just 
mapping that out with yourself and removing ourselves from like 10 steps in the application process, everything's running so much smoother. Exactly. Well, you, you mentioned uh, in our last catch up where you, your volumes have increased significantly and you're working, I think it was up to 20 hours a week less um, and, right. you feel, and you're enjoying it more, right? So. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's that's so right. And we've also, you know, from your advice too, Ross, is we've hired um, an like, or well, we've actually promoted someone internally to an office manager. So the team are all going to that to that person now, rather than to Gordy and I. So we're not getting not getting involved in the small stuff that doesn't really need us our involvement. And that's been a big contributor, I think, as well to freeing up our time. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So let's go on to the next part, and we touched on it, but you know, why is the client experience, and you've won awards for customer service, why is the client experience so important uh, to the both of you? Well, we're all consumers, aren't we? And we all want, look, I, I put it down to, I, I'm big on things like sneakers. I love buying a new pair of shoes. And you look at, I know I buy a new pair of running shoes and I've, been, I've, I've researched them and, then I get it and I open the box and it's just the shoes in there. There's no QR code to scan the QR code to tell me how that shoe was made, what technology was in there. Here's three reviews linking to that shoe. And I've gone from being excited about something to, oh, well, that was a bit of a letdown. Mm. And I rel relate that back to the business. And that's me buying a pair of shoes. So if you're buying a house, you're on a bigger high. There's more emotion behind it. Mm. If, I'm, if I'm feeling let down because there's nothing in the shoe box, imagine if you're having a bad customer experience buying your dream home. And we we try and make we try our best to make it as stress free and as pleasurable and um, and friction free as we can to the clients. We're we're on the phone to them every day uh, with your application, even if it's with the lender that's going to take two weeks to pick it up. We're, we're chasing the banks every day. We actually had one of our lenders uh, call us the other day, uh, our main lender, and she said, uh, our BDM, and she goes, is there something wrong? And I go, why is that? And she goes, well, we just got the report from our customer service team, and for every application, you're ringing uh, three to four times more than a, the average broker to, to check on the status. And I go, isn't that fantastic? And she goes, well, don't you trust our updates? And I said, well, we, we've promised the clients we're going to be back to them every single day. If you're saying it's going to take four days to pick it up, we need to update them and tell them that it's still that four-day process. So by having that open line of communication, it's, it, it puts their mind at ease and also it puts our mind at ease. The last thing we want, Ross, is a client calling us saying it's been three days and I haven't heard anything. Mm. I mean, we could quite easily say, oh, but we told you to be six days before they pick up the application, but that's not what they want to hear. Mm. Yeah, they, they want a safe pair of hands and we, that's what we pride ourselves on. And then also down to the point where like after settlement, we, we send them out a settlement gift pack that Larissa orders products in for. We don't outsource that. We do it all ourselves. And we, we want clients to walk away thinking, wow, I've, had, I've just bought my dream home. Friction-free with the lender and the, and the bank process. And our, our mortgage broker was fantastic. We don't want it to be tainted by a bad lending experience or them thinking that they haven't heard from us in three, four days. Love it, love it, and uh, yeah, I love the analogy they said around the the empty box, right? In terms of, and again, 
a lot of brokers are just focused on the transaction and their service you know, can feel a bit like that in terms of the empty box. There's not the updates. You know, they might be doing the work and their staff might be doing the work in the background, but the client then isn't getting updated, right? And I think the point that I love about what you say is the client gets updated every time that you touch it, they will get some sort of update, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I like the analogy of we're like a, a stewardess on a... On a um, an aeroplane, we can't guarantee that we're not going to run into turbulence, but we can make the flight as smooth as possible. Yeah. Right? So, uh, and, you know, by doing what you guys are doing, uh, yeah, it does just that because it, it keeps them uh, involved every step of the process and keeps them updated so they know that, hey, it's not you, it's it's the the, the lender. That, that and just, just on that, Ross, it's not just the client we're keeping updated. So we've, we've had um, three clients sign contracts today. And um, I'll, after this podcast, I'm going to be calling all the agents and saying and reassuring them, just letting you know, we've got a fully assessed pre-approval in place. Um, we've ordered the valuation. And um, I'm gonna, if I haven't spoken to them before, I'm going to SMS you my contact details. If you've got any questions uh, throughout the process, let us know. But we're, we're, we're working on a fast approval for this. And it puts the agent's mind at ease. And then that way, if you have to, um, if you have to get an extension, and luckily we don't have to get many of them, if you've had that conversation, it, when you're calling them two days out from finance and saying, hey, I'm going to need your help here, they're more, they're more receptive to it. Love that. Love that. And we'll talk a bit about referral partners in a minute. But I wanted to stay on the, the customer experience because one of the things that you pride yourself on is getting Google reviews for from the clients and how many Google five star Google reviews have you got now? We've got three hundred and thirty seven for one office, seventy nine for another, and we've got one hundred and five from Facebook just off the top of my head, and we've got one one star review. Yeah. So five, all five star and one one star, right? Um, yeah. And we didn't even do business with that person. <laughs> no, that person couldn't do business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and so what's your been your secret in terms of, you know, a lot of brokers that I speak to would not have anywhere near that number and they would have been in business for twice as long as what you guys have. So what's your secret for, you know, getting the reviews? Well, it goes back to when we just bought the business and we would we would spend weekends upon weekend just working out how we're gonna get grow the business, how we how we're gonna make it work. And one of the and we had no, we just opened a new office. There was zero Google reviews at that point in time. And so it was let's just get the process right. And for the few clients that we are getting, let's make sure that they leave a Google review. And the only way you can get them to leave a five-star Google review is to give them this amazing service all the way through. So it was concentrated on the process and the customer service and the Google reviews should sort themselves out. And we just started started from scratch six years ago building those Google reviews. And um, and I tell you, like people will read them. People think they're fake. They, they go, oh, there's no way you'd have that many. And then they go through. But then we actually read them all and they're all legit because everyone's leaving, you know, bespoke reviews. So um, and people actually read them to see what kind of experience you're going to have with us. So by the time that that incoming inquiry comes in, they've, they've, there's been so much layering on social media because most all the local people would have seen our stuff on social media. Um, they've seen the cars driving around and um, and they've probably been referred by someone 
and then they've, that, that all of that's happened then they've checked out our Google reviews. So we might be, when we go back to that scale you're talking about, we should hopefully be sitting on an eight or a nine by the time that inquiry comes in, we like to think. Um, and then when they come into our office, I mean, our new office here at Perugian Beach, it's just beautiful. You've been here, it's, 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 it feels like a home. You can't really tell from this, um, <laughs> from the camera angle here, but it feels like a home. There's beautiful wallpapers and textures. So we invest in that because that's all part of the customer experience as well. Love There's it. nothing officey about our office, I like to think. Yeah. yeah. So when, when have you found is the best time to ask for a Google review? We've changed that around, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. and it depends on the client. Uh, probably a, approval now. Out of um, yeah. Yeah, and look, we we even get clients who we can't do anything for and we get them advice and say, hey, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It's, it's really, I think you could break your consumers into three types of people who, who, who leave reviews. One, people who make it their sole purpose to tell everyone what a great experience they had. Uh, the other third will, yeah, I'm going to get around to it, but never quite do it. And then another another third don't want to do it. They they feel like it's it's um, it's exposing too much about themselves and you've got no chance of getting them. Yeah. Well what we probably need to do is work on that third who have every intention to do it but don't don't quite get there. But we're we're at critical mass now. So and I think like we we asked for that review. We used to just ask for it upon settlement after we'd sent out that beautiful gift basket that we send out. Now we're asking on formal approval and we get a, if they don't leave it, because like, everyone's loved up at that stage, right? It's all going ahead. We've got our formal approval. So that's the, we're finding now that, that we get a good strike rate there. If they if they if they're one of that, you know, that third that have every intention but haven't yet, we are, we get a second bite at settlement. We go, hey, can can you leave that set that review now? And then when those settlement baskets go out, they actually have a card with our photo on the front and it says, thank you, we're a family-owned business. We're, really, we're growing our business off reviews. And there's another third time when we've sent them this beautiful hamper asking for a review. <laughs> so we try as hard as we can to get those reviews. But then the third who, the people who don't leave reviews refer you anyway. So yeah. and when you're doing 300-odd homeowners a year, you're, you're at the point where if half of those people tell two people what a good experience they have as well, that's as good as a review. Yeah. Oh, exactly right. I've heard that, you know, some people say within your marketing and even on your post, some people pay you in comments and some people pay you in actions, right? So, um, again, some people feel that by leaving a Google review, then, yeah, they've done their job, whereas other people feel, hey, I'm just going to, do it through my actions which is actually to review to refer people which is what you mentioned so you mentioned uh referral partners and you know, i know that's a, a a successful area in your business and you you spoke about the communication so tell me what are some of the things that you've done to establish these referral partners and the networks that you've got in your business at the moment. To do that, I'd like to step back to my previous career and how referral partners work then in the electrical industry. So working for the, 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 the big suppliers, HPM and Clipsilver, we paid rebates to referral suppliers. And I've always come from that background working in that industry that I never want to pay incentives. Uh, there's always someone who's willing to pay a higher incentive to or a rebate to get to get the client and win them off you. And we've, we've always been very clear that we don't do that. So we've I've looked at the experience there and what hasn't worked and the things wrong with that, that 
that part of the referral business. And we've flipped it here and we've just made it, we, we don't have any formal referral uh, relationships in place, but what we do is we deliver exceptional customer service and communication, especially with the likes of agents, Ross. And like I say, every contract we get, we ring up and tell tell them where, where things are at. I send out SMSs to agents, giving them industry updates. Um, I'm always talking to agents. Uh, I'm pretty, like this morning, I had a coffee with an agent. Um, I'm, we're, we're, we're not relentless in our communication to them, but we're consistent. We're consistently talking to them. It'll be, I'll see an agent get a listing or a sale and I'll ring them up and say, hey, that's fantastic. Well done, that's a really good listing. And I, the amount of agents' mortgages we've done off the back of that, mm. Um, speaks volumes for the for the sort of uh, outcomes we're providing for the agents to help things along that way. I love that. And I love um, you recognising what's important to them, right? And so what's important to an agent is getting a listing. And the fact that you acknowledge that and congratulate them, because, you know, just like when we get a, a loan approval, we go, yes, you know, they're the same when they get that listing. It's a big thing for them, right? So for you to notice when a new listing comes up and their name's on it, um, they'd be chuffed to get that message, right? Because yeah. it would make them feel good. Yeah. Well, we, we, we just had a recent settlement for uh, an agent here. He's a fantastic young guy. And um, we helped him into his first home about two years ago. And he got this cracking listing uh, down the road from us. And I called him up and we talked for about 10 minutes. And then he said, I want to buy a new family home and turn my house into an investment. Next day he's in for an appointment and then we're like two days later he's bought his dream family home. And that's just come off the back. Of, and I was genuinely, genuinely excited for him because he's done such a fantastic job. Mm. And um, that created an opportunity with himself. And um, look, and the other thing we do with agents as well is I'm always engaging with them on social media. And I think you, you deserve a seat at the table when you engage with people. And if you're not engaging with them, if you're not congratulating them on their wins and their successes, you, you don't, you don't, you don't have a right to expect anything in return. So uh, it's all, it's all how we communicate with them. And I'm, I'm genuinely excited to see people do well. Yeah, love it. I love it. And yeah, I think if we take it back, though, I mean that's that's where we're at at the, at the level, um, level of the maturity of our businesses now. Like we've got these established relationships with agents. But if we take it right back six years ago when we when you in town didn't know anybody, it's really, what do you do? Like you can't just turn up and go, hey, start giving us business because there's other more established brokers in the area that are probably getting that business from the agents. So we had to strip it right back and go, well, we, we've got to start just giving content and giving information to the agents so that they start to realise that we're pretty credible. So we do, in the, in the market six years ago here, it was so, so different on the Sunshine Coast to what it is now. So it was hard, like you do a refinance, you'd have to cross everything that you're gonna get the valuation in to be able to do a refinance. It was a very different time. And it was a lot harder back then for agents to sell properties. So we would offer to do case studies on, the, on a listing that they might have. You know, if you were to buy this property with a 10% deposit, this is what it might cost you to own in repayments per week. And the agents love that because it spread out their listing on our socials. And I think doing enough of that, and we weren't getting anything in return for it at that time. Mm. It was just a really a long game, a slow burn doing those sorts mm. of things, wasn't it, Gordy? 
And I think like, you know, we might, and, and like most, to be honest, most of the agents do refer in, but some, for those agents that might not refer in, because I mean, the market's been such that the agents aren't really going to refer a lot of the time anyway, because the client's ready to go. But where we have an advantage locally here is that if, you know, with it being so competitive recently, if there's, you know, four offers on a property and the agent, and, the, and we tell our clients to tell the agent that they're dealing with mortgage choice per Beach or mortgage choice Nusa Bill, those offers will get accepted. So it helps to put our clients at the top of that queue of, with getting their offer. So it's helping our clients, our reputation that we have with the agents as well. Yeah, love that. Love that. I mean, so much gold in that. And I think, you know, the message that I take out of it is when you're looking at these referral partners, look at the long game and look at how you can help their business. And, you know, by doing a post and a case study on their listing is a perfect example of something simple that you can do to get it out to your whole network, whether it's via social or by email and um, just, you know, add so much credibility to what you're doing and will definitely uh, lead to getting business. And it's no wonder you guys are you know, doing so well and, and winning the awards and, and growing your business. So I want to wrap it up. And again, I really enjoy the chat. There's been so much value. Uh, one of the things that I ask at the sort of the end of all the podcasts is sort of if you were um, a broker that was looking to really you know, scale and take their business to the next level what's the one piece of advice you know knowing what you know after the last sort of six years what's one piece of advice that you would give to them don't try and do it all on your own i think you you need someone and then some sort of assist someone to help you with that process those loans and, and by doing that you'll see the upswing sooner than you think <laughs> and i was i was skeptical you know, when we when we had to take on stuff, you'll see the upswing sooner than you think. And it then frees you up to write loans and market to get more business and the business will come in because you'll have the time to spend to get the business in. That's that's sort of my take on it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And the second one is learn how to communicate in, in the social space. Hmm. Uh, I think your print and like your... your um, Things like print advertising, you can spend a lot on and have questionable cut through. Learn how to master social media and be relentless. And uh, I, I think that's probably what we've been the past, well, what, what we definitely have been the last six years is we've been relentless in everything we've done. Yeah, love that. And, and that relentless and that drive to succeed is you know, what I get from you guys and the speed to action and the fact that you invest the times like, you know, I know you said earlier around listening guys like Gary V and, you know, and getting that one piece of advice about just share your story is amazing and something that, uh, you know, a lot of the brokers can sort of take away from this. So, uh, uh, and, and sorry, Ross, to give you a plug as well. I, I think to work with someone like yourself, we've, um, we you've given us the confidence to back ourselves even more which could be dangerous sometimes because we go in <laughs> full, full steam ahead but um working with yourself has been fantastic and it's um it's been a game changer for our business yeah like, it has yeah yeah, yeah. so whether it's yourself or someone else find find someone that you can bounce ideas off because i think it's an important thing to do yeah love that love that and thank you so much for that 
And uh, if you're like Gordon Larissa and want to learn more, obviously subscribe to the podcast on whatever channels that you subscribe on. Uh, become part of our Billion Dollar Broker Facebook group and uh, do regular sort of uh, trainings on that and provide some great information. And if you'd like to work uh, like these guys privately in the elite program, reach out to us and uh, we'll book in a time and uh, I'd love to see how we can help you and your business further. So this has been another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker podcast. I'd love bringing it to you and thanks Gordon, Larissa. It's been great. Thanks, Ron. Thank you.